here we are again. Thank you so much for continuing to come back. And we promise that we're going to make this better and better every single time. And one of the things we're excited about today is having a guest on with us. And today we have Derek Christie. Yeah, Aaron? It'll be fun to get to know you on this episode. Yeah. I agree. Likewise. Derek yeah. Christie, Aaron Christie, no relation. <laughs> Actually, just kidding. Complete relation. They, yeah. they are brothers. No, I'm excited. Uh, this is my... I, I, Big brother? I should say older brother. Yeah, because... big brother's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Leave the older out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. this is this is my brother. Uh, so I've been excited to, we've actually just been kind of doing us and, and whatnot, so we're excited to have uh, you on as a guest and uh, dig through your brain, because you have a different experience than we do on um, the, the type of things that you work with every single day. So sure. that'll be fun. So Yeah. And, you know, this isn't about uh, this isn't about a family relationship, although that's cool. And I'm sure we'll probably share some stories and, and have some laughs here in our time together. Um, but really, Derek is a great entrepreneur and leads uh, several businesses and um and so we're gonna we're gonna dig into some of those things and have some fun, and then of course we'll talk about some some play hard stuff too. So That's good, yeah. I'm ready to get into it. If you guys are ready to get into it, yeah. Why don't we um, have Derek give some of his background for the viewers that may or may not know him, and uh, just kind of explain a little bit about himself? Yeah. So if we could start when you're about two and a half years old, and, and go from there <laughs> up. work forward there. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, here a native Hoosier, so from Indiana, and uh, all my companies are in Indiana, but grew up on the south side of Indianapolis, um, married my high school sweetheart, had two children, and have two grandkids now. I have several companies in uh, real estate, education, uh, finance, and uh, technology, so that's kind of the, uh, you know, the businesses we're, we're in and all located on, on the south side but we do business in other in some other states too four other states i could have uh said the older brother thing because you just said you had grandkids so i mean so was, now it's okay yeah now it's okay to say older brother again it, it does seem like that can be allowed now yeah so, yeah. <laughs> yeah so so primarily um i think where you spend most of your time during the day is at your mortgage company which yeah, yeah which well, how long did you have that uh 30 years so 30, 30 years, years in the business. Years, That's yeah. right. We celebrated yeah. your 30-year 30 30 anniversary last year. That's right. Um, but then you do a lot of different things from there as well. Um, one is, and I've talked about it on the show, the family business that I worked at, the educational publishing company. Um, you, you own that. And then real estate. Yeah. Um, a lot of different things. So it'll be fun because I think we have some topics that we can get into that will give a lot of good, valuable information. You can bring value to to that. So Yeah. I, I love... talking about kind of the diversification of the businesses that you're in, but you do it with great intent. Um, And you and I have had conversations about this, but one of the things that I talk about quite a bit and that we, we now talk about here is the phrase that focus equals growth. Um, And whatever you focus on in life or in business, you, you tend to get more of Um, now that can be kind of contradictory when you think about having multiple businesses and as, as we do as well. And so I kind of wanted to get into that right off the bat. So yeah, we're talking about a mortgage company, an educational publishing company and um, an insurance company and, and those sorts of things. So when you set that up um, in, in kind of started growing into different areas why did you start doing that? Let's start there. I'm paranoid. Okay. <laughs> so I'm a paranoid entrepreneur. So um, I didn't grow up, you know, with, with a lot of money, not with a silver spoon. And when we were first married, my wife and I, um, things were pretty tough. Like I remember going back, you know, like we had like 15 bucks for groceries a week and Huggies were seven ninety nine plus tax. Yeah. Those are diapers. So those of you that don't have kids. Uh, so, so, you know, we started to really, it was really tough. And so, as a result, you know, you, you know, it made me a saver and it made me a little bit paranoid. So I got in the mortgage business and, you know, I did, I did well, you know, probably it was a time when interest rates came down and so for yourself of, right away, or just, you kind of got into the, like, oh, I'll, I'll try to break into the mortgage industry. Yeah. Or- I got, I got, I, I was in a couple of other small businesses before, okay. but then when I really got into, I always liked financial services. So I like finance and and investments. And, and so when I got into the mortgage, I did, you know, really well, but I still wasn't, you know, I wasn't, uh, even though I'd made more money than I'd ever made, I wasn't, you know, just completely comfortable, you know, with that, with that position in life. So I think I was always looking for another investment or another income stream. 
um, in case interest rates would go back up and things would slow down. Um, so, so I was always kind of looking around the corner, if you will. And I tried to create opportunities where there was synergy between the yeah. companies. I, I can talk about how that happened. So, yeah. And that, that's the part that I think is interesting because, um, that's actually in, in just being completely honest with you, that's something that challenged me differently than in the, in the mindset that I grew up in of like focus equals growth, keep things narrow, stay in a, stay in a specific lane and grow that to, to big, which I think that is, that works. And I think yeah. that that's key. But the strategy that you employed of saying, you know what, and this is what we talked about. I remember last year sometime you said, well, I, I was paying these other companies to do these things. And yeah. I thought, why don't I just <clears throat> pay myself or pay another company and then get customers that I can, that I know have the same need. I think that that was really intelligent. Yeah. And now that's yeah. kind of what we're employing too. Yeah. No, ex exactly. So, so that was it. That, that actually kind of reminds me, that's kind of how that that's a lot of how it happened. So I did work for about Six years, I would say, you know, in just that focus. So I got some stability where I was successful in the mortgage business. And then I thought, okay, I'm paying somebody else. I'm paying rent. So I want to buy my own building. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the first step into, into real estate. And uh, so I, I bought my own building where I was not, not the sole tenant. We had a few other tenants there, but, but I was then paying rent to the landlord who was now me, right? Uh, another company, and so was other people, and so were other people, yeah. and then um, and and so along after that came the opportunity of saying, hey, you know, we're paying other vendors, and so you know, if I pay enough uh, to these vendors, maybe I could start out and be profitable out of the gate, or you know, near profitable, and so yeah, that's what kind of happened, and so we would start businesses, and like the insurance agency. You know, we knew we had enough flow <clears throat> that we would, you know, probably not lose a bunch of money, that, that we would at least be at break even and then allow us to, you know, grow and be successful from there. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Like, that's that's one of, <laughs> there's one of two major things that uh, I've, I've got from you. And that's one of them is like using the business that you have to feed other business instead yeah. of paying somebody else to do them, which is like what you said, we're currently kind of, we're, we're doing you know, that kind of, we are doing as well. Yeah. Um, the second one and more important one is he told me about a chili sleep, <laughs> which has changed my mind. About a what? There's a, oh, I, yeah. we were on vacation or something and he told me, I was like, man, I'm so hot. Like it's always, I hate sleeping hot, but I run really warm. And there's a pad that's called a chili sleep and it goes on the bed and then you can crank it down zero and literally there's water that runs through it. And then you it, can pick it, the temperature yeah, that you're it, comfortable. It cools. At. So I, of course I put it on the coldest possible one. Time out. Are we getting paid for that? Like, yeah. did yeah. you just like have an awesome segue <laughs> right, into right, like a right, vendor right. thing? Yeah. No, we no. did it, but I'm yeah. just, it was yeah. hilarious. No, but, uh, and this thing sounds spectacular by the way. You, it changed my it's life. Called chili pad. Okay. <laughs> Mine's the chili sleep. I mean, oh, I've got a really? different brand. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Um, but it changed my life. Cause like, I'm like, my wife is, freezing all the time. I think most people's wives are, you know, like, so she's got two blankets on the bed. One of them's like thick and fuzzy. And then like the other one's like a down one right on top of it. So I'm like on top of those, just dying every <laughs> night. And they told me about this thing and I'm like, Ooh, I can cover up now. Cause my back is freezing. So anyway, I was just kind of joking around, but so uh, those are the two that, the, most the, important so life lessons. Life lessons. <laughs> that's what he took from it. You know? So, I mean, that's it. Uh, hey, I, I thought I was dropping morsel nuggets all yeah. the time and that's it. Yeah. No, no, that's cool, man. Uh, that's one of the things, um, like I, this seriously with the jelly bat, that was cool. But like, we're, we're literally doing the exact same thing now. And that's something that I picked up from you is like, why pay somebody else to do the things that you can do for yourself? If you are bringing in enough business right, right. to, to support one of these things and then grow and then make profit off of now, other people. Now I think, you know, and profit's always important, right? Because right. that's how business, that's why business is built, you know, right. because you got to make profit in order to stay in business and, uh, not, you know, that's capitalism, but also you could affect the service too. So I think there is, there's two, you know, beneficial factors is that, you know, yes, you can build a business, you can create value in that, in that other company, but I think you can create value for, you know, your team members as well as for your clients in affecting the service. Maybe you could do it just a little bit better because you have a huge vested interest, right? Yeah, you know, for sure. You're the client you yeah. know, for this vendor. So, I mean, you, you know, so it's, it's motivating to, to affect the service that, you know, then is, building more value for your client base. How do you balance your time with all of the businesses? Well, that's, that's probably the hardest thing, but I mean, the answer has to be the people. 
Mm. I mean, you have to hire the right people. You have to hire people that are skilled. The longer you're in business, the more successful you are. You can afford to pay a little bit more and hire, hire better talent. You know, they're continuing to grow, mature in that, in that business. You've got some maybe resources and education and training for them. So, so, you know, that, I mean, sometimes to be quite honest, it takes time unless you just like start up and right. you'll start with a bunch of seed capital and hire the best out of the gate. But, you know, if you're a organic homegrown business like we were, you know, it, it takes time. One of the things that we talk about quite a bit within our business and in um, on this podcast is culture and the importance of it. You know, so um, people is one of the most important components of a culture. Yeah. Uh, what kind of culture do you strive for within your businesses? Yeah, I, I, culture is is so important. Um, and I think ours, I mean, we tend to be kind of entrepreneurial probably because usually there's some reflection of the owner in in the company and right. with the culture. And so I think, uh, you know, we look for opportunities and I think people are probably, you know, kind of entrepreneurial, uh, free-spirited in, in the company. And so... Uh, yeah, so, you know, we, we, we definitely, you know, talk about culture all the time in the company and, you know, continually working on that. You're never done. No, yeah. absolutely not. So, yeah. One of the things that I like walking around your office and, and, you know, I even mentioned the, the 30 year anniversary party that you had, yeah. but you, you stay, um, pretty committed to having engagements outside of, um, kind of the norm, an ice cream social last yeah. year and, and different things like that also as, as reward, um, and then also not even as reward, but just because sometimes it's the right thing to do and, and yeah. bringing your team together. And so I appreciate that you do that with your, with your team members as well. And I think it's a critical yeah. component. You want to create some fun. Mm-hmm. You, you don't want work to be, you know, you, you don't want to have a place where, you know, you're just always, you know, uh, pushing people to produce more. Right. So you right. want to, you want to recognize people. And sometimes, you know, through those kind of events, you know, you can do that and you know, let people let their hair down and have a have yeah. fun. And you want, uh, we, we talk a lot about lifestyle. We, we want a healthy lifestyle for people. And that lifestyle might be, you know, we want them to have a rewarding family life. We don't work in so much that, right. that then their family sacrifices. And, uh, so, you know, the balance, you know, sometimes tough, there's certain seasons that are really busy. You know, we realize that, but we, we try to help our staff have, you know, financial wellness, uh, their health and wellness, their family wellness, their career wellness. So, so we, we try to look at the, you know, the whole lifestyle. Uh, so critical. Um, so critical just because, you know, you think about a person that obviously works at an entity, whether it's here or anywhere. And that person is just that as a person, people always talk about like having work-life balance and everything. And, and I've mentioned it in the past. Like I don't necessarily believe in work-life balance. Cause that is to say that they have to be separate. I think work-life integration is something that's important. And I'm not saying that from a standpoint of you must take work home and not that at all. But what I mean is, you know, typically you don't have someone that's a complete rock star in the office and then at home they're a, they're just a jerk to their spouse um they're mean to their kids and you know just terrible and then vice versa the same way you don't have someone that's just oh man they're a great father uh they're a great husband or, or wife or spouse or seeing another whatever um but man at work they're just they're, they're terrible those things go hand in hand and, and so i think when a company does what you're talking about in taking care of the whole individual not just the employee uh, that's i think that that goes a long way yeah Holistic, like you almost said. It. Yeah, so it's like it's a holistic yeah. thing no, I, you're approaching life. I yeah. agree with that completely. Um, so uh, let's uh, let's go on here a little bit, and well, we could roll into. So you you bought your first building. Mm-hmm. You want to roll into some yeah, real sure. estate questions? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, yeah. yeah so nineteen ninety eight. So you're pretty. You went pretty hard to the hoop on real estate now, <laughs> like. You own quite a few strip centers, yeah. um, a lot of different properties, uh, um, and, uh, renovating a church in downtown Franklin into an event center, mm-hmm. I believe, yeah. and, and rental space. Um, I actually read an article about you in research for this, and, yeah. and I know that you're a pretty humble person, so I won't talk most about what what um, I read. People can go Google you and read that for themselves, yeah. but... Yeah, you have a you have especially specifically within Johnson County and on the south side of Indianapolis, yeah. like you you're got a nice portfolio. Yeah, a nice yeah, portfolio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I think uh, so. And so, like, when, how do you get from your first building to go? Hey, I really like owning properties. There's great tax benefits, or like, what was the driving force behind that? I think I think some of it is 
Yeah, I think for some people that are self-employed, a little bit of it's control, right? If I'm like really honest, you're like, you know what? Like, I don't like those bushes. I'm going to tear those out and plant new. You know what I mean? So it gives you more control. Yeah. You know, owning your own building. I want to tear that wall down. I want to do this. So I think a little bit owning your own company because you like the control. Real estate, I think sometimes can be the same way. Like you call the shots, you, 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 you know, have created this, this real estate space that works for you. And you know, it's an investment again. So I think in, in doing that, um, I think it's challenging. A lot of people want to own real estate, uh, I always tell, I always warn people, you know, commercial has more zeros uh, than residential. So it might be a good idea to start out with a house or something to get, you know, kind of get your feet wet and kind of understand the mechanics of real estate. Um, I did, I did own one home, you know, thinking back, I did have one rental house before I did buy that office building. I haven't really been a big residential owner. We've owned beachfront condos and things like that for ourselves. And we, we rented out some previous ones, but we, uh, we're pretty much like you said. We went we went after commercial real estate and uh, initially office, and then it was uh, we we bought a twenty two million dollar package that that mainly was res that got me into retail uh, back in uh, when was two thousand six, I think, and so that's when I kind of got into retail from just the office. So that was been right before some serious economic yeah issues in 2008. 08. yeah bubble. Yeah, we pro- we probably bought right, but it doesn't mean that that you know it still wasn't. It was still very difficult, very challenging. I mean, you couldn't, you just couldn't lease space in two thousand eight, nine, ten. It was really, really hard to lease space was because of that financial distress. Right. You know, a lot of companies weren't weren't opening new space, and so that made leasing tough. So you had to get creative. So sometimes you're given, you know, back then when when I'm not, I mean, we're like most of the retail centers are hundred percent leased now. So I don't even have a space to lease if I wanted to. Um, I'd have to build something or like in Franklin, we're, re- you know, renovating, redeveloping something for, for space. But, uh, but then, you know, you might have to offer free rent or maybe I'll do some of your build out or, you know, I'll cut your grass or wash your car, you know, whatever it took yeah. to lease space. So, yeah. When you were in that, when you were in that um, moment, was your goal just to then essentially break even or were you still trying to make money or because it was so tough? So, you know, you talked yeah. about doing, you know, tenant improvements and things along those lines was, was that like, all right, let me just get the space occupied and at least cover the, the mortgage and utilities kind of thing. Or what, what was your strategy at that time? Do you remember? So, oh yeah. Oh, I remember. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it would have gone kind of growing up. So thinking back, you know, so I, I didn't grow up with a lot. So I've, I've always tried to really keep my expenses low. Mm-hmm. And so that helped back then. I took a lot of risk when I was really young, sometimes even before I was married. And then when we were, we were newly married and, uh, the, the most important rule of business, three rules, don't lose money, don't lose money and don't lose money. Yeah. So, you know, the, the key is if you got your life structured, right, where you don't have a lot of overhead, then it's okay not to make money for a while. So you've right. got enough you know, for a while and, and all, but you don't want to lose money. Mm-hmm. So that's the riskiest thing What's is that? if you're in a situation where you're losing money. So you have to avert that at all cost. Was yeah. Robert Kiyosaki that was talking about alligators by getting, Oh, maybe, no but yeah, the alligators, when you, you buy a property and you buy it wrong yeah. and it just eats all of your money up Oh yeah, because you got to put it in there. I always say the cake is already baked. You can't unbake the cake. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, you, you know, yeah, you got to live with, you know, then you can't undo it. So. So what do you look for in a, in a property, either commercial or residential when you're buying it? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. <clears throat> so the other three rules, location, location, location. I was going to say, I knew the, the real estate yeah. three rules of importance, yeah. location, location, location. Yeah. So location's always key. Obviously um, you want it to be in a good, you know, neighborhood or at least a up and coming community. And so location's key. Visibility's another one, you know, we look for, and especially we're talking about commercial. So if it's commercial, you know, it's got to be where it's visible. You've got to have good access. So is it accessible from a stoplight? Is it easy to get in and out? Can you only make, you know, a right out or a right in? You know, can you turn left? I mean, all, all those things, you know, come into play. When people are choosing space, you have to lease successfully. Um, <clears throat> the other is orientation which kind of goes into that visibility again, you know, is it, is it parallel to the road where all the businesses are going to be visible to the cars passing by or some perpendicular that kind of lose, you know, some, some of that visibility. 
And I, I've, I've owned properties at all different, you know, I've been, you know, great properties front and center. Um, sometimes there's single tenant, you know, properties like a bank, uh, you know, I own a bank building, a couple bank buildings and then and then retail centers where you've got multiple tenants there uh some of that is the location even within the 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 retail center uh let me ask you this desirable or not on a retail center let's say they were both Mm. priced right would you rather buy a sitter that had maybe lost its anchor and you'd have to rebuild or would it be better to have one that's fully uh ridded out ah that's kind of a trick question (laughs) I was going to say, my gut would say the one that's fully rented out, but to hear you say even that's a trick question, I'm intrigued. Because I think, uh, so if if the anchor is not there anymore, that can be really scary. Because why did the anchor leave? Because a lot of times anchor tenants, you know, one, they're stable tenants because they're a big tenant. Uh, just, just for everybody listening, the anchor tenant is like if you had a strip center and Walmart was in it or yeah. Target or, you know, and the, then a the Chinese restaurant. And, exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I would say in that case, I mean, that would be one you got to really be suspect. Uh, so yeah. that, that's kind of death, you know, when, when so you what if it's anchor tenant, but the, it makes you, total sense. So think about over here, for example, um, Thompson and Emerson yeah. here in Indianapolis, there oh, is Kmart or something. Yeah. The Kmart, the anchor left because they went bankrupt. Yeah. Uh, right. But that building's been, or that section of the building set empty since Kmart went out of business. Like right, it's yeah. not been. And that's a problem because today, now even the market shifted where because of online retail, there's not big box retail anymore. So when that, when that anchor goes out, even worse today, because before you're like, oh, I'll just backfill that space. No problem. It's a problem today. Yeah. That's a, you know, that's a building with a lot of square feet where even if you, you know, were to subdivide the building itself, to make more storefronts, yeah. it goes so deep. You're you're gonna miss out. You nailed it. it that's the problem with the with a uh, big box retail like that. The the configuration is the problem. Mm-hmm. Now it's too deep, and and the, all the space isn't usable. So now you're only maybe leasing a portion of the space or some janky you know entrance in the right. back of the building or something right. uh, that you're not getting a full market rent for. So so yeah, those are all the things you have to think about in commercial retail. Other other things to think about is what's your what's your tenant mix. So you know who who are in there? Do they play nice together? Do they do they play off of each other? I mean, I think. Foot traffic is something that's always valued. As, as far as their businesses, not yeah, their businesses, not yeah. personally. Yeah, yeah, that's it. yeah. Hopefully, they get along personally too. But yeah, usually it's not really a personal so, type relationship. But yeah, you, you, restaurants are good because it creates lots of foot traffic. Right. So let's say that they play well together. Yeah. From a business standpoint, right. so you, so you've got a, uh, I don't know. Womp, womp, womp. Yeah, no, I'm I trying have, to think. I don't have the button, so you know, yeah. I'll, just, I'll have to do it with my mouth. But if you have a restaurant. <laughs> well, I'm even thinking like if they play off of store. each other, and then one of them goes out of business to the point where that impacts the other one because well, we were getting business well, yeah. because they were getting business. Right. So is no, that, that a bad thing then if they yeah, if I they mean, play well or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, so sometimes that can happen where mm-hmm. one business is becoming a little bit dependent upon, you know, the other because of the right. traffic. So, yeah, that can happen. So maybe it's go away. Maybe it's like a an anytime fitness right next to a GNC nutrition store. There, That's what I mean, right? There. So now the gym goes away, GNC is going to be like, ah, this isn't as great of a location as, as we sure. just had. Yeah. That, that's what I was going for. And it, and it can attract. It took that me a minute sense. to get there. That makes sense. <laughs> no, that's true. That's a good point. Uh, so uh, on the real estate, and, and we hear it, and I, I'm just getting more into commercial real estate on my side. So um, I, I don't know a lot of these answers yet. I haven't accounted for it, but I'm sure that you know it. Um, like what, what are the tax benefits of, of real estate? Because everybody's like, you don't pay tax on real estate. This is the way to go. So. This is why I brought my pen and paper today. I normally don't. Yeah. Uh, so, so you have to be, you know, so my disclaimer is you should go talk to an accountant or something. <laughs> uh, Blink that at the bottom of the ta- screen. Yeah. This, is attorney, not, <laughs> yeah, this is not financial advice. <laughs> exactly. I am not giving financial advice, no legal advice today. Yeah. So, but no, seriously, you should, when you're in business, you should have a good CPA. You should have a good attorney. So de- definitely. But as far as the tax benefits that I see um, is depreciation. Now, you have to sometimes have a status of being a full-time real estate investor. Mm-hmm. So if somebody is a business professional and they're spending all their time in, in this business, they're an insurance salesman, I don't know. So they're, they're an insurance. Well, then if they buy a piece of real estate, I, 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 don't, 
I can't give you all the details right now of the tax code, but I mean, it may be a situation where they can't fully depreciate, you know, uh, all of it, like somebody that's full-time real estate. So that's something to look at, but it definitely does throw off uh, depreciation in bigger properties. It's called cost segregation. So you can even uh, accelerate the amount of depreciation that first year that you buy it. But those have to be probably larger properties, $5 million, $10 million plus properties Mm -hmm. that you can take advantage of those cost segregation. Everybody always loved to, you know, there was one guy that was president that, uh, you know, he was in the real estate business and everybody said, well, why does he not have to pay taxes? It's because of the way the tax code's written. Yeah. You, you know, so he, he, you know, they're doing larger properties. They're, they're taking advantage of cost segregation. So they're building a building and they're taking a huge tax tax deduction that first year. Now that may not be as uh, significant in a, a rental home, but it still adds up. You buy that first rental home incrementally, that second rental home, you get the 10 rental homes. And now the income that you would be paying taxes on is getting depreciated off, is deducted from what you have as your you know, gross income, your so, annual income. So just to, to be fully clear here and dumb it down as much as possible, I'm working a job here and I'm W-2 paying taxes. And my, let's say we make hundred grand a year and your tax liabilities, you know, $30,000, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you have, you've been building up your portfolio of rental properties over here. You get a specific depreciation off of them each year, which yeah. then comes off of that 30. So now you may only owe 20 or comes off of the hundred. It comes off the hundred. So let's say uh, you had a hundred thousand dollars, which is, makes it less deductible. Well, so a hundred thousand uh, dollars. Let's just simple. Yeah. Let's get rid of your taxes. Okay. Right? Uh, nobody mm-hmm. argues that. So hundred thousand dollars worth of W2 income. Yeah. And maybe then you're able to, you're able to claim uh, the hundred thousand dollars in depreciation from the other properties you own. So effectively, you potentially, depending on your situation, could owe zero taxes because you have zero taxable income. Correct. Good to know. That's how it happens. Yeah, it's not a secret. Right I there. Mean, it's you can go to irs.gov. It's right there. Yeah, right in the code. That's always surprising to me about you know people getting all been out of shape about, well, so-and-so doesn't pay, you know, didn't pay as much tax or whatever. It, it's not that they didn't fill out their forms and was just like, no, they, yeah. they played within the confines of the rules and, and what's the, what's the, uh, the old say, hate the, hate the game, not the player. Right, right, right. <laughs> but, but I'll tell you, I mean, I've been doing this a long time. It's not that easy. Um, I mean, you've got to really be, to your point, you've got to really be intentional about, you've got to keep buying property. And it, it's hard because as the, the old, longer you own the properties, residential or commercial, whatever kind of real estate, you start making money. And so when you make money, I mean, you've got to buy something else to create more depreciation in order to offset that. So you have to, it's not easy. It's, it's not easy, but these people that are uber successful billionaires that, you know, they've got a tax team team. available, they've got accountants, attorneys, and they're, 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 it's a strategy every year. They're figuring out, Hey, you need to buy a hundred million dollars worth of real estate this year to create enough cost segregation, accelerated depreciation in order to offset your income. Yeah. Yeah. So they're literally buying things or spending money specifically to, get the best tax situation that they could possibly. Yeah. Get, you buy so. a jet and write it off everything immediately, you know, like, cause you made too much money or something like that. Yeah. Right. Uh, so that actually leads well into the next question that I was going to ask you in, as far as your strategy and, and how you approach. So is it, um, are, are you simply, are you, I say simply understanding it's not simple, but playing within the confines of, of that. And that's what you're basing your strategy on in your real estate investments, or are you kind of committed to a, well, I want to buy one property a year for the next several years. And then uh, what, what, how do you, are you approaching this? It's changed at different times. Cause sometimes my service businesses demanded more time. So I kind of took a break, you know, from acquisition and buying more real estate. And then some years, you know, I kind of accelerated and bought multiple properties. So it just kind of depended on what was going on. And a little bit now you get to choose in, in life, like, do I want to work that hard, you know, this, this year? Um, so, you know, it, it probably, it, it, buying real estate, um, buying a home is pretty easy, I would say. It's pretty, pretty easy. Buying commercial real estate, there, I talked about so many different things to yeah. consider. And so they take longer to close. There's more uh, landmines there, yeah. you know, probably with commercial. And so- uh, It was borderline you, you know, exhausting working on this building. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it can take. Uh, yeah. You can work grueling every day for three months to close a commercial deal. Understand, you're really buying 
rental contracts. These right. are lease contracts. Right. So you better read those lease contracts because there's little gotchas in there sometimes. Yeah. yeah. You know, there could be a, a lease termination option the tenant has. You want to know about that. Yeah. Uh, you want to vet that stuff out. So, so yeah, there, there that's could be all job. kinds of things. Yeah, that's your, that's uh, right. that is our attorney's job yeah, that's in which job. Yeah. Right. Uh, I gave it a first pass and was like, okay. And then no, let's pay somebody that actually read every word instead of every other word. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that, that does that. That does that every day. You know, that's, that's yeah. their, that's their craft. That's their profession. They know what to look for. So that's why I said a little bit ago, you, you, you want to get a good CPA and a good attorney, you know, somebody you can trust. I actually ended up hiring my attorney. Uh, he's on staff Yeah, uh, because he was doing so much work and, same thing. I looked at, Hey, how much am I paying him? And yep. I, I, I said, uh, you know, you know, I talked to him and he said, well, I, I'll, I'll come aboard. So it was great. Uh, that's, that's best case scenario there. Yeah. I don't think our guy's going to do that. Mark, Mark, are you watching this? Please. <laughs> <laughs> he's just got, awesome. he's just going to tell you, you just got to have enough billable hours. Yeah. yeah. Um, what other kind of investments are, are you making besides real estate? Um, you know, we've done, we, we, we have bought, like I said, we mainly have commercial real estate and that's been our focus in both retail and office space, a little bit of development ground. And then some of the beachfront property, I, I have kind of studied the market, Southwest Florida, Southeast Florida. And so we re- recently this year bought, uh, or well, I say it's a new year already. Uh, yeah. maybe, uh so we, we recently bought a condo. And you had a, a perfectly timed transaction of, of selling in Western Florida and yeah. buying in Eastern Florida. We did. We did right before the hurricane, like a month before uh, we, we, you know, didn't know. I, I was no way to know. I wasn't tracking weather and patterns, but, uh, but we did end up selling uh, two condos there we had for our family. So they were side by side and those we rented out. Uh, so we would rent those out and people would stay there maybe a week two weeks, a month at a time. So we rented those out probably since uh, 2005. So it was quite a while, 17 years or so. And then we ended up buying another one for our family, a, l- a larger place in uh, in Southeast Florida, in Hollywood. I think Aaron told me that a lot of the homes around those condos were completely wiped out, but was the building, the building that you're... Because it was a steel structure and concrete. Um, so it was good, but the buildings that were built low to the ground where the tidal surge came, yeah. it wiped all the houses out and they weren't built with steel and concrete right. piers. And so, yeah, the, most of the residential homes that were built in around the 1940s and 50s weren't at the same hurricane standards of today. And so they were just gone. And in fact, that helped me with, with, I had one buyer back out, um, and they said, uh, uh, oh, the the windows aren't hurricane. The slider is hurricane. This is kind of a funny story. So they backed out. And I, I didn't think too much about it because we had been through maybe three hurricanes owning this. Like nothing ever happened to our property. I mean, oh, they're not, they're not hurricane standard. Now, I don't know if the windows were actually blown out after we sold and, and the, the next buyer that did end up closing on it. I don't know if the windows were there. But the funny part is, is the hurricane standard slider that was there. It was the whole frame. Everything was gone. Oh my from gosh. the title surge. So the wind didn't blow out the the window, maybe, but the title surge take, yeah. took out the entire Jeez. slider. Man, that's incredible. But, but I will say, like our our building now was built in two thousand nine in Southeast Florida, and it'll sustain hurricane winds of like two hundred miles an hour, flying objects, and so it's. But anything can yeah. happen. But that's one of those units you can like scream from the top of your lungs and. The Ace Ventura but, deal. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking about. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, so hurricane sta- you know, the hurricane standards, the newer the building is, the better it can withstand that kind of a storm surge. Yeah. Well, they approve on the building codes every yes. every what about every three years they come out with a new. I one of the book, so. one of the things I love to do it to help myself fall asleep sometimes when I'm having a moment of insomnia is to just cruise around on Zillow and of course I'll look for properties around here just to see if something jumps off the off the page and um, but then I. I Inevitably, always look on the coastline of Florida, and, oh, yeah. you know, up the East Coast a little bit too. Um, you but, know, can I comment on that real quick yeah. about you perusing on Zillow? You know, the one thing that I think does get people, or they could make a, a a big mistake. So it makes me think about it for people watching. Yeah, is if you go, oh, you know, wow, I found it. You know, this is a good deal. That seems really cheap. 
there's always there's a, reason. a reason why. Uh-huh. So if you go like, oh, I bought that because it's not a good location, doesn't have good vibes, so but I got a really good price on it, that probably just isn't going to work out long. You're not going to have this fantastic appreciation with the result of that property, even though maybe uh, price per foot, oh man, it was it was the deal, you know, right? But not really in the end. Yeah, but, you definitely that goes back to making those like educated decisions on the properties you're going to buy, whether it's residential or, or commercial. Yeah, there was a, there was a property that we were looking at before we bought this building here and we had Derek look at it and whatnot. And he, I believe you were the one that told me we were looking at it. He's like, this isn't a floodplain. Right. And I was like, Oh, well that makes sense. Yeah. That was that it seemed, I want to say it was embarrassing, but it wasn't really embarrassing because obviously you do this lot and you were guiding us and all that kind of stuff. And what did you look at that document for like two minutes and you were like, Hey, it's in a floodplain. Right, right, right. <laughs> like trying to hand it back. <laughs> Don't need to see the rest of it. Um, but no, you know, looking at Zillow, like in, in the Fort Myers area and everything, it's just one big red bubble. Everything is for sale there right now. Yeah. And then you you can still click on the pictures and just a decimation of what that hurricane did with the storm surge and all that kind of stuff. It's it's pretty incredible. Well, and people think like, okay, so there's going to be all these great deals there. Not no, necessarily because now the land is really now, whatever the land was worth before the hurricane, it's worth so much more now because everybody knows that everybody's going to rebuild and yep. that the price per foot is going up. So all the land just got more valuable. So it costs more. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I know. I was like, man, it's, it's this is literally just land. Yeah. And it's crazy. You, you had somebody that maybe, uh, they had a building, maybe that was older. It was built in the sixties or something. And, uh, with that, with that home and the land, now just the land is worth what the the improved home and the land used used to be yeah. because you know again everything's going to be uh it'll never look the same i mean it will never look like uh what fort myers beach used yeah. to look like because it was you know that older style construction. old town family right. and that, that's probably yeah. gone you know probably gone forever um and so yeah it becomes they, a little they bit do high rises in fort myers beach right i know a lot of those areas like uh, you can't go beyond four stories or, or whatever which is nice i think but yeah yeah we, we um, unless you're the developer and yeah. I, I tried that i tried that <laughs> and they told me no uh-huh. uh, but yeah they talk about uh density uh-huh. uh, so they the, their whole thing is when you're on an island it's seven acres long i know a lot about fort myers beach, <laughs> yep. so it's seven acres long and you can only get so many cars on there without a you know traffic jam so what they don't want is they don't want you creating a bigger building uh, increasing the density because then now you're like, Oh, you and your family come and now you have two cars instead of one. And now you double the traffic on the Island, creating a problem, people getting on and off. So that's why they limit you on how much square footage, how many more units you can put on there. Yeah. You guys missed that. You guys were having a nice conversation. I took a drink of my water and the people that are listening, not watching would have never caught this. But the people that are watching, did you spill I, it? I got splashback. Oh, look at it all it. over you! It shot up into my face <laughs> and then down my shirt. Hey, you know what? If we're honest, and I'm over here wiping my face yeah. off, and you guys are just talking about property <laughs> density, and I'm like, uh. it so, happens. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I just it happens. I, I but we, we should definitely talk more about homes, though, a little bit, because we talked a lot about commercial real estate. And before but, we move on to that, let me ask one last question on kind of. Well, I guess the homes would be investment too. But the question that I was yeah, going to ask is, is there anything that you, from an investment perspective, whether it's real estate or just other investments that you just absolutely stay away from? I'm not doing that. I'm not touching that. Well, w- w- one thing is I think you have to be careful uh, about buying property if you don't know anything about it. As an example, I, I, you know, I want to study first before I buy warehouse space or flex space because I don't own any. So if I, uh, if I want to buy that, then I better do my homework or I better partner up with somebody that that's owned, you know, flex space or warehouse space for, for a while, because, you know, each, each different type of, uh, asset class has, uh, you know, just a different nuance. So, so, so I think that's where you can get hurt. Like, Oh, I know retail or I know office or I know multifamily, but then you go out and buy some warehouse space. You go, well, it's a lot cheaper per square foot, and the rent's a lot cheaper per square foot than the other asset classes too. So if you don't know that, you could really get hurt. Yeah. So know know your property, know your investment. Don't go in blind. Research it. Talk to somebody that knows, and uh, get the lowdown. Maybe exactly. even have them look over the property. Yep. I think that's a hard part for everyone. I um, I'm a believer in confidence. I, I think it. You know, certain things taking them. You know a measure of confidence and that's huge, but don't, you got to be careful to not let your confidence turn into arrogance and think that, you know, everything get help. Oh yeah. Get help. Yeah. 
Yeah, you can't you can't know everything. I mean, there's too, too yeah, there's too so. many subjects. Yeah, and then nuances within the you know. You know what I hate worse than asking for help? Taxes, losing yeah, taxes <laughs> and losing money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which taxes is losing money? Taxes. Yeah, they, losing they, money. you know there was there's a good book uh, that's written, and the book the premise of the book is who not how. So who not how. Uh, so that kind of goes along with that. Like, Hey, if somebody's a subject matter expert, you know, you need to talk to them because if you're trying to figure out how to do it, um, you know, sometimes that that's, you know, like pushing a boulder uphill. That's yeah. tough. Whereas yeah. if you just ask somebody that knows how, you know, it's all about the who. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what they say. Like, would you have somebody that let's use roofing for an example, you come out and you're like, Oh, Hey, I have a leak. And you go out there and you fix it and it takes 15 minutes. And uh, then you give them the bill for 500 bucks and they go, oh, it took you 15 minutes. Well, you're paying me for my yep. knowledge, not the time spent out here. Same concept and everything right. else. Like there's people that have amassed a lot of knowledge in specific areas that you could study and learn. It may take you years mm-hmm. to come to the same conclusion that they yeah. can have in 30 minutes. Right. I read this awesome thing the other day. Um, that it, it was this, it, it went on for a little while, but just to try to paraphrase it right in line with that was, you know, when a friend asks you to help something because they know you know how to build a deck, I think is what this, what this was, but yeah. you, know, you give them the quote and they're like, Oh, it, it shouldn't take that much. And, and this guy, I don't know if this is true or not. If it is, it's awesome. If it's just a story, it's still cool. It's a story where it, he goes and buys the materials. Well, yeah. And he's like, well, how much do you think it should, should cost? Well, you know, it should, I think the quote was just call it 5,000. He's like, oh, it should only cost $2,000 or something like that. And yeah, so he's like, all right, well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll help you with it. And, and you know, and then goes the materials and then next, you know, he's like, all right, now you're going to need to cut these boards. You have a saw. Well, no, can I use yours? Well, I had to go buy the saw. So let me charge you a rental yeah. for that. And then, you know, how are you, you going to get sense. the wood home? When yeah. You don't have a pickup truck. Exactly. Yeah. Nails. Yeah. Yeah. That's that a good cool analogy. Story. Yeah, no, it, it's it's really cool. And he's like, he, by the time they add everything up at the end, the the, the story, he's like, well, that's thirty eight hundred dollars, and I still got to do it. Yeah, he's like I'm just gonna pay you to do you it. You got to take time off of work and all that kind <laughs> yeah, of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So honestly, it made me more careful of what I ask other people for. Like even just myself, I don't ask for a lot of favors, but you know, in that regard, like it, that, you got to be respectful of other people. Yeah, let's hop into the uh, residential space. Um, so. I guess. What do you want to talk about in residential? You got uh, like, what are your tips for there? What's what best practices? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, residential real estate is where a lot of people are going to start. So that's why I said we yeah. kind of jumped right into uh, heavy duty commercial. Yeah, we did. We did. So, yeah, so buy a five to, million dollar building. Yeah. So I wouldn't do that. Um, <laughs> and if you were going to do that, if somebody says, "Well, I have a lot of money, I want to invest," you know, be an investor and go on with somebody that's that's experienced. You know, and then that way you kind of kind of you know take the ride, but you know, you get somebody that's a good operator. So mm-hmm. and I, yeah. I've done that. I've got investors and, you know, they, they, you know, do that with me and they get a piece of the action, but, but they don't have to run it on a day to day. So what's, um, so as an investor, I want to yeah. buy a residential property that I'm going to rent out. Um, you own a mortgage company. So this is a perfect question. Yeah. Uh, is it 30% down that you have to have because it is a rental property? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, when you're going out to buy your primary residence, you can put 3%, 5%, you, you can put a minimal amount down. You could, you could go in and put, you know, 10, 20%. Obviously it's, it's up to you, but you got to have the minimum down now commercial or commercial, uh, when you're investment. looking at a rental house, so investment property for, for, uh, a home, uh, there you're putting somewhere between 20 to 25% down. You can, 20 put, to you can put more, you can put 30% down, but minimum you're going to put 20 to 25% down, whereas minimum on a primary residence would only be 3 or 5%. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So you want to save up enough to get in the the price range of house that you want to have as an investment property. Correct. So plan on having at least 20, 25% for the down payment. And then if you want to do improvements, you want to have that in the bank ready to go before you make the decision to pull the trigger on, on yeah. property of that. Yeah. So if you're fixing up the kitchen or you're wanting to do some improvements, you got to consider... Well, hey, I, I, you know, if the kitchen's destroyed, you know, you go, man, I wouldn't lease that property. You better, you better make some improvements. Right. So yeah, you got to make sure you've got, you know, the, uh, the finances aligned, make sure that you've got the cash to, to be able to get that done. Uh, and some homes could be turnkey. So it just could be, you know, merely you're, you're buying that home for investment. It doesn't need a bunch of work. Well, so, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, looking at a, um, 
a residential investment property. I'm a, I'm a dollars and cents thinker. And so, you know, my mind would be at, all right, what, um, what do I think I'm going to be able to get from a renter on a rent? And can I make it, can I make a profit on it? Right. And so what kind of profit margin do you look for, or do you think should be sought after in a, in a residential investment property? Yeah. So I'm looking at that. I wouldn't do something unless I can get you know, a double digit cash on cash return. So I'm looking at 10% plus cash on cash return. Sometimes it just won't pencil, you know, right. it won't, won't work out. Now, and I think that's is, where a lot of people get in trouble is like, well, you know, I'll, I'll get it going and, you know, I'll, uh, maybe you overspend on the property. Right. Um, and they don't consider, <clears throat> Hey, there's going to be maintenance items. Taxes. The they don't own it. So, you, right. you, you know, somebody has got to do the maintenance. If there's something on the outside, you know, they're, they're going to have to fix, you know, the landlord's going to have to fix it. So that starts to eat into what you thought was going to be your cash flow. Um, but, but yeah, so we talk about cash on cash return. We look at investments. Um, now when I say cash on cash return, uh, okay, my, my rent is 1200 and all the expenses are a thousand. So that's going to be $200 per month. So that's $2,400 per year. So if I've, you know, you, you've got to calculate 2,400 divided by whatever you put into the property total, and there's your cash on cash return, but wait, there's more. <laughs> so now you've got maybe a mortgage where you're paying principal and interest. So then there's also what I refer to as cumulative return. So that's that free cash flow you got, that cash on cash, that $2,400 a year plus, let's just say you're, there's another $2,000 a year in principal you're paying into the mortgage. So effectively, that's, that's another $2,000 worth of equity on top of the 2400 So that's 4400 a year is your cumulative return. And I look at both the cash on cash as well as a cumulative return on investment. Gotcha. Yeah, that's so... It is a funny story that you said that earlier. You said you got to watch out because there's things that come up. I bought a investment property um, December of 21, and the week I bought it, uh, we found out that a tree had grown up, and the root went through the sewer pipe, which was made of clay, mm-hmm. and then backfilled mm-hmm. the basement with waste. Oh, um, so I had ten thousand dollars, I think, in fixing the pipe and didn't. That's not even like reseeding. It was literally month one. I don't even know if it was a week, but it was definitely month one. All I have to say about that is that really stinks. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Uh, So yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely watch out for those things. Actually, it's funny. We closed on, on this building, um, the fifth. Uh, so earlier this month and then I walked in, I went on vacation. I came back, I walked in to the bathroom and there is a, uh, out of order sign on the urinal. And I'm like, the first week we buy it, things start breaking. You know, it was ridiculous. What's the deal? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's kind of like when you pay off your car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As soon as the warranty ends, the dishwasher stops working. Exactly. Um, exactly. You, you know, the other thing uh, you had said, too, you know, when you when you say, well, I'm, I'm going to rent it for such and such amount. Now there's all kinds of great tools. You can go to, I don't know, there's all kinds of rental sites, right? I don't know, maybe it's, it's probably rent.com or something. You can go to apartment.com. You can go different places and you can say, hey, what do homes in this kind of like a rental comp? Rent but yeah, before you would be wrong. You'd yeah. be like, I think it's going to rent for 1200 a month. Well, guess yeah. what? It's going to rent for 1000 But now you can actually go out and find rental comps just the way an appraiser is going to go out and find sale comps and give you an appraisal value, an assessment of value. That's Which good. doesn't mean, you know, any, any doesn't mean you're going to rent it for 1200 a month. You know, the market sure speaks, uh, an appraiser just because he appraises it at X amount of dollars doesn't mean you're going to sell it at that, but at least it gives you an educated guess comps in the area. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, they, so y- y- you definitely want to, y- you definitely want to be looking at that appraisal, make sure that the value supported what you're buying, investing in the property as a purchase price. And then you also want to look at the rental that's coming in, make sure that the area is going to support that because you're like, Oh, in this improved neighborhood over here, this much better neighborhood compared to this crime ridden neighborhood, right. you know, they're getting 1200 a month. Well, that's why you're not going to get it uh, in, in this neighborhood, Which, and especially maybe. like in the Indianapolis area, that can be block to block it can be. major swings. You know, there's, there's an area of fountain square, for example, yeah. that is very, doing very, very well right now. And it I is. mean, you go one street over and it's, you know, you're, you're like, Whoa, what country am I in yeah. anymore? And yeah. so yeah. knowing that is in very important. Yeah. But I mean, if you can catch it on those uptick booms though, like obviously nobody's going to 
uh, crystal ball, but like you start seeing like on certain streets where people are buying it up. But like um, my wife's cousin, I believe had a house there and then they had bought it there before, like, or right when it was starting. And then it really kicked in down in Fountain Square. Yeah. And um, I think somebody offered them like double what they paid the previous year. I got to tell you. So I've never had that happen to me. So, <laughs> I so, 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 I mean, you know, the thing is, I think that's where you have to, everybody always hears those stories like, oh, I'm going to hit the jackpot. You right. know, but I think you got to buy on fundamentals. And that's right. the, that's the whole point, point, excuse me, of investment is it's a methodical, in my yes. opinion, anyways, it should yes. be a methodical approach. Yes. You might get lucky, but plan on not. Right. It's the same thing we're talking about in our business with. Um, this year and how we're approaching our goals and not looking for a storm and all that kind of stuff. If we do and we get lucky, cool, but we got to build our, yeah. our pipelines based on that. There's not, and it's the same way when it comes to investing, yeah. you know, I, I, I mean, owning real estate for 30 years, I've gotten lucky yet. I mean, I, I have, because it's just, you know, generally appreciated sure. over time. Right. But, but that situation where I bought it and a year later, it's worth double has never happened to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but here's the other thing too. I'm not a big seller. So some people. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. So so I've pretty much bought and I've owned my company for thirty years. I've owned real estate for for decades, and so it's work to buy it. It's work to sell it. So it's like, well, if I'm going to work to buy it, I'm going to work to sell it. Then I got to go buy something else. So why right. would I go to work again? You know. So so, so what's your me, long term play then? What are you going to do? So so the thing is, you know, like just recently, you know, my my business partner he he wanted to you know he wanted to sell and I wanted to buy, so. I cashed out, cash out of the property, and then I I bought him out. Or I could cash out property, cash out equity, and then I could go buy another property. I've done that too. So by not selling, you know, it keeps throwing off cash flow, and I didn't sell it, so I don't owe any tax. Okay. Because if I sell it, then there's got to I got to pay capital gains tax. Right. So I don't want to sell because I don't want to pay the capital gains tax. I just want to continue to own it, you know, long, long term, and then. It doesn't become taxable if you don't sell it. Now, you can pay capital gains tax unless you find another property that you want to buy within yeah. a specific time, and then you can do a 1031 exchange. Yes, right? exactly. There's a there's a forward 1031 and the reverse 1031. Um, so so yeah yeah. But we, we in fact MVP title just put on uh you know they put on a, a, a seminar a lunch and learn a seminar yeah. And so they had they had talked about that and had a great. A lot of people don't understand 1031, so they have a lot of people come to that. Do you have a quick overview of it for the people listening? Yeah, essentially, you're taking one commercial property. That's, it, it's for commercial only, not residential, right? Yeah, it's it's for something that is for commercial. You know, you, So it could be an Airbnb. It could be a home that you're renting out, but it's not for your personal use. It's not right. a second home, mm-hmm. uh, so it's something you're renting out. So there's got to be some kind of commercial use to it where you're you're receiving rents or something. And so you're trading. It's basically a trade. And so if you trade quick enough, you have to identify it very quickly. I think it's 45 days, and then you've got to close within like six months. Again, consult the 1031 exchange intermediary and your accountant. You've got to identify the property and name it within 45 days. That's right. But if you find it before you You sell. You can name three, actually. That's probably 